0: Welcome to Twisney World. This is the second episode, Immersion Blender. Um, I am your host, L Phantasm, along with my co-host,
1: Airy Paradise, and our accidental co-host, my cat Jedi, who will not shut up. I'm sorry.
0: It's okay, because also joining us for this podcast is uh, Tiki Dog, Tangaroa, um, who is probably going to ruin some shit in my house right now. Oh my God, leave that alone. Um, Yeah, so we're going to start off right, Um, and what this episode, what Immersion Blender is is about is we realized in our introductory podcast, we were just like, yes, immersive theme parks, we love immersion. I'm not really sure we ever defined exactly what that is, and we figured it was a really good place to start. Um, That way you guys have a baseline for knowing why we love what we love and why we think the thing's... We don't love suck. Yeah. Um. And so to get us started with that, of course, we want you guys to drink along with us. Tang is over here hurling on my carpet. Um, and I promise you it's not because of the quality of the recipe. Um. And so to start us off for this week's beverage, we're going to be doing a Mai Tai for all the uninitiated the people who think they've had a Mai Tai before but are not craft cocktail people I guarantee you if you're going ew it's gonna be really sweet I hate it already you're wrong you haven't had a Mai Tai you've just had a really crappy version of a Mai Tai a bastardized version of the Mai Tai some might say a less immersive version of the Mai Tai I'm Aerie do you want to take it away
1: Yeah, let's take it away. So tonight, when we're making our Mai Tais, we're sort of riffing off of, once again, our favorite cocktail book, Smuggler's Cove by Martin Kate. Uh, So we're going to use his recipe as a base. You're going to want, again, three quarters ounces of fresh lime juice. Um, So we talked again about juicing that fresh lime juice. And we're going back to that holy trinity of rum, lime, and sugar, because next you're adding in a quarter ounce of a rich, simple syrup. So if you aren't entirely aware of the difference between a regular simple syrup and a rich, simple syrup, imagine simple syrup, which is like a 50-50 water to sugar, and now you're making it richer, more rich, richer, more rich.
0: And it's often like a two to one.
1: Uh, So that we're going to put that in there. So that's a quarter ounce. And then we're going to do a quarter ounce of an orgeat syrup. So if you haven't heard of this before, to really oversimplify it, it is an almond syrup, but it's so much more than that. You're going to have it's going to have almond. It usually has like um, a bit of a flour water in there. Some versions have like a little bit of lime going on. There is a way to make your own and it is a worthy endeavor, but I'm going to be real. I am lazy. Uh, there are syrups I will make or just not one of them. I'm and just not BG Reynolds makes a really,
0: really good one. So um, just use that. Exactly. <laughs> so
1: that's what we're making right now. We're using, we're both using BG Reynolds orgeat. It is our favorite. We've tried other brands. This is the one we come back to every time. After that, you're going to add a half ounce of Pierre Ferrand dry curacao. So you've probably heard of orange curacao before. If when you think of curacao, immediately what comes to mind is bowls, get that out of your mind. That's a dirty thought. No bowls. You don't want that. No bowls in your mai tai. You don't want orange bowls. You don't want blue bowls. No bowls. (laughs) No, none. What you want is Pierre Ferrand dry curacao. You're going to notice there's a very large price discrepancy between the two, but there's a reason and it's because one is amazing and the other one is bulls. Right. And and if
0: you make it with bulls, you are going to be like, it's
1: going to taste like bulls. It's going to taste like bulls. I can't stop saying this.
0: Okay. You're going to have to. Yeah, you have (laughs) to let this go, but it will taste like high c Ecto Cooler and you will not believe us that this is a good balanced drink. So don't use both.
1: Yeah, just invest in the Dry Curacao. It's really good. This is our favorite brand of Dry Curacao. You could try others, but this is our favorite. And then after that, you're going to do two ounces of a blended aged rum. I am using surprise, surprise, a five-year plantation. Shocking, I know. Um, what are you using tonight, my friend? I'm actually using the same thing. Hey, there we go. Surprise. All right, so we're going to go ahead and put that in our cocktail shaker, and we're going to shake it up right now. Ready? Oh, done. All right, and now we're going to go ahead, and when you're shaking this, I do want to remind you, you want to shake until your shaker gets frosty on the outside. And, and then you're going to go
0: wanna make sure that the dog <laughs> remains on your fucking shaker, or you <laughs> will end up all over your body, all over your dog, oh all no, over your husband's computer. None of which is of course happening to me right now. None of it. Oh my god, there's my tie everywhere.
1: I'm um, a professional <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Hey, you wanted immersion, so that's real immersion right there. You're now truly immersed in your mai tai.
0: And then real quick just because I can't. So once once you pour that drink over ice and we really like crushed ice or pebble ice if you can get it. Um if you can't, you can actually like crush ice in a bag. There's even like bags specifically made for it and it's oh no, I can't remember the name of the bag. Somebody's gonna yell at me. It's like a Davis bag or like a giant
1: bag. I don't bag. either. But you can literally look it
0: up. It's anyhow, it's a bag. You hit it with a hammer. Um or you can you can go to Sonic and buy their pebble ice. Like you can buy bags of pebble ice.
1: Right. right. So I should have- use theirs. I should have mentioned that that's the kind of ice you want in your drink. Um, and you're just going to pour all of that into, you can use a double old fashioned glass if you don't have a tiki mug. Uh, we also, we often like to have our, um, our Mai Tai glasses, specific Mai Tai glasses to Mai Tais. Just makes it, I feel like it makes it taste better. Um, because again, it's about that immersion is having the tropical cocktail in the correct glassware. And after that, you're going to garnish your drink with spent lime shell and you're going to set it on top of the ice kind of like it's a little island and then you're going to take your little mint sprig and you're going to take your mint sprig and you're going to thwack it across your hand a couple of times so it sort of breaks up those cells and releases the oils and then slap that mint smack the mint
0: there's just a girl Uh, riding down the street on a horse right now and I'm sorry, I got really distracted. Thank you. Sorry, it's really cool.
1: Okay, lime anyhow. Shell. So you're gonna smack them mint, you're gonna put that little sprig right next to your little spent lime shell and it's gonna look like a little teeny tiny island. And this is not just to be like cute. It actually does impact the flavor of the drink and the experience of the drink. So you do want to do that with your Mai Tai. Because
0: your sense of smell impacts so much, like, what you taste. For example, everybody that's affected by COVID-19 can't smell anything. And now they can't taste anything either. Which is a
1: real bummer. That was dark. I'm sorry. It is. Um, And so will be some of the things I talk about later today. So... Now we have our drink, and we're going to talk about why we chose the Mai Tai to be our cocktail for the Immersion Blender episode. And the reason why is with a real Mai Tai, the correct Mai Tai, which is, uh, there's some history behind this drink. We won't get too much into it, except to say that I subscribe to the tale that says Trader Vic is the one that invented it. Because he did. Um,
0: But this is not, this is not a alcohol podcast although it kind of seems like it right now so we're not going to get super into that
1: right we won't get super into it but anyway the originator of the Mai Tai is Trader Vic and uh, the original cocktail that he made was very elegant and classy it was not overdone Um, it's a really seamless drink it is not too sweet it is a really perfectly balanced cocktail so if when you had a Mai Tai in the past, that is not what you thought when you drank it and you were like, this is gross. This is saccharine. It's really ugly with all this sugar. It's like a syrupy, sweet
0: kind of like, oh, this must be like what the kids have. Like if, if any of it reminded you of like jungle juice, From a college party, it was not a real Mai Tai.
1: Correct. So, if you've ever had a Mai Tai that had orange juice, that had pineapple juice, that had, like, a maraschino cherry
0: or, like...
1: Uh, What is that other ingredient they always put in Mai Tais, which just really grosses me out?
0: I mean, needless to say, I think the most important thing to know is that, like, a real Mai Tai, there's only one juice. Everything else added to it really, like, is some form of alcohol and, like, a quarter of an ounce of sugar.
1: Correct. Um, so if you had one with all these other things, or like you'll see oftentimes there will be like a float of rum put on top. That's also not correct. That is not an original Mai Tai. It's a dirty it's not, Mai Tai. Um, I've heard some people describe the float as um, being prepared the old way. Um, It's actually what is described in the the book that we're using right now, Smuggler's Cove. And it is not because it was the original recipe. It's because the guy that liked the extra flow was, was the called dude, um, which is kind of great. I love it.
0: Anyhow, um, I guess the point that we're trying to get down to is that a lot of, when when a theme park or when any kind of an immersive environment that does something and does it well, does a really, really great job, Usually what ends up happening is people try to copy with varying levels of success what they did right, but often they try to cheap out on it. And so what you get are really weird and sometimes almost creepy versions of um what once worked really well. So I think like maybe a classic example of that is like if you've ever heard of Nara Dreamland, which was a oh, theme park yeah. in Japan that was sort of like when they tried to build a Disneyland-esque park without Disney, um, anyhow it failed, and also it was kind of disturbing looking, um, it's a little bit creepy, or like if you've ever watched like one of those knockoff Disney movies that usually comes straight to DVD right after like the real animated. Um, Disney version comes out, like it'll come out like within weeks, and it's the kind of thing where like your grandparents would be confused and they would buy it for you and be like, "We got you, Aladdin." Um, <gasps> are you knocking <laughs> shitty Aladdin I'm right actually knocking um one of our favorite direct to DVD or it wasn't even a DVD at the time, direct to no, dhs films, uh, which we lovingly know as Shitty Aladdin, um, which was the only movie that could calm us down after we watch something really, really scary. Watch The Exorcist, can't go to sleep, you watch shitty Aladdin. Anyhow, we're already segueing, like, wait, we're segueing so bad, we're like the guy that rode the segue off the cliff.
1: Um, so to just wrap this up, the reason that we're drinking the Mai Tai tonight is a good Mai Tai makes you want to have it over and over again. You love it, you're nostalgic for it, you remember the first time you had a really good one, a you bad might start Mai tai, yelling
0: at people about how good it is. Yes. Your devotion might
1: scare them. A bad Mai tie is either bad enough to be completely forgettable where it was an experience and then you move on and maybe you never remember it again, maybe you never think about it again. A really bad one might cause you to never want to engage again. And that is true for theme parks. Right, like if you think about like... There's
0: always like someone that will go, I don't understand why you like theme parks. And then inevitably what they will describe will sound like the seventh circle of hell. Like they'll describe like a local theme park, or maybe they'll describe the time they went to Disney world with no planning at all. um, And they chose to do it, you know, in July. Yeah. That, that is going to be miserable and you won't ever want to do it again. And so that's, That's kind of what we're going to be talking about now is that the very best immersive theme parks will make you forget um, that you are in a theme park. And what you will be left with are some of the best memories to last a lifetime. And you will keep coming back to those places over and over again um, and drawing from those memories over and over again. Exactly. Okay, cool. So with that, um, we're going to get ready to move into our next segment. Um, so give us just one moment and we'll get back with you. All right. So now we're going to start talking about, and this is by no means exhaustive. Um, Ari and I are both going to talk about, um, examples of immersion that we think is really, really well done and maybe even doing a little bit of a compare contrast, between the things that we think are great and the things that we're going to call the you tried, because I never want to say something is really terrible because we also understand that that almost always is never completely in the hands of the creators. Um, A yeah. really, really great example is that if you give if you give um, the Imagineers, so the people that design the theme parks in Disneyland, um, in the Disney parks, you will find if they get Whole hog, like, go out there, do whatever you need to do. We're not going to put like a bunch of financial constraints on you. What you get is almost always across the board amazing. Where things get dicey is when all of a sudden somebody comes in and says, Hey, so what if you had to do all that, but you have to do it with 25% of the original budget? And then a lot of times they are stuck between a rock and a hard place. Um, they can make magic happen, but you can only make so much magic happen. So we're not calling them like bad immersive examples. We're going to call them the Eutrides. Just imagine yeah, like, like a small wonky gold star. Tang, you yeah. better not be eating that bedding. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Um, and so with that being said, I want to go ahead and talk about, I'm going to start. Um, I want to talk about one of the things that has always struck me as some of the best immersion um, in any park. And I'm going to pick one particular attraction, which is the Indiana Jones and the Temple of the Forbidden Eye attraction in Disneyland.
1: Oh, girl, yes.
0: Oh, my God. Everything about that. I still remember the first day that we went on it. Um, And this was back when it was relatively early on in the day. So when you would originally go into this attraction, they would actually, the lines were so long that they would give you this little decoder card. And this card would have basically, um, it would have like a, um, an alphabet of an ancient language that they would help you decode so that you could essentially just read the walls of the attraction while you were waiting in line for like untold hours.
1: Yes. There was like hieroglyphics.
0: Yes. And I just think one of the things that's so cool about that is that they were already, I mean, when was this, this was built in like the 1990s. They were already going, how can we get people involved in interactive cues? So interactive cues, I think people look at it like, oh, that's a thing from today and smartphones and blah, blah, blah. But they were doing interactive cues back then. And I would venture to say that that was even more fun and also didn't require you to waste phone battery. They gave you the card. You read the card. You could keep it as a souvenir. Um Everything about this area. So, from the time that you come in, it's the way that they do. The foliage around it. Uh, They pump in this music. It's like a combination of background jungle noise, but also, like, 1940s, like, popular radio songs. So, you're already in. They're pulling you into the um, the time and date of Indiana Jones. So, you're already part of the adventure. They're like, okay, don your pith helmet, like... You are part of the adventure now. So you're winding through sort of these temple grounds. You're listening to this music. And then throughout the music, they would also like interrupt it with little bulletins. And the bulletins would be talking about Indiana Jones, but it would always be a bulletin with like some lady's voice that sounded like that 1940s radio voice, which I'm going to attempt to do now. And I'm going to destroy it it'd be like, Indiana Jones in the Temple of Damn. Like hang on to your hats kiddos we're gonna go find some treasure like it was that kind of a thing um and so you're like hell yeah we're gonna find some treasure so you're like creeping around through this as you're looking up into this temple so it's already exciting from the outside it's not like you're just doing a bunch of switchbacks where you're like hey here's some metal railings here's a chain that a kid is gonna hang on and incessantly swing back and forth there's stuff to look at um even cooler at night Because then it's all, like, uplit, and there's fire, which is always really (laughs) baller. Yes, like, it's so bomb-looking. And then you walk into the temple. So now you get in the temple, and the temple, it's like, you get in there, and especially, once again at night, it's cool, it's dark. You're looking at all, like, the hieroglyphics on the sides, and as you go deeper into the temple, you just see signs like, so shit's gone wrong in here. Like, you would see, like, poles like pikes with skulls on them and like all these areas were like oh booby traps have happened here it's getting creepy they added more interactive queue stuff in here so there's a couple places within the queue where there are certain things parts of the um of the queue that you could touch that would cause stuff to happen so there's like one particular bamboo pole that is either working or like sometimes for months on end is out of order but if you hit the bamboo pole it will make the whole building sound like it's shaking and falling down and it's a great way to like scare the people around you so there's always like this weird moment of tension where you're like please nobody else know about this please nobody else know about this please nobody else know about this i'm an adult ass woman and i still think this every time i'm like that that goddamn kid in front of me better not
1: touch the pole and then when you hit it you're like hell yeah and the nice thing about it, too, is they, while they do place some hints around the cue, there's nothing, like, on that pole that's like, touch this pull and right. see what it's happens. not like an overt, like,
0: oh, my God, touch the pull. which I think sometimes that happens a lot today. It's like, oh, touch this button. Or even the opposite where it's like, whatever you do, don't touch this button in, like, a huge... It's just like a wobbly pull and they're banking on the fact that people are grabby. We're grabby little primates and we got to touch everything. They're like, you know what people do in queues? They put their gross ass hands all over everything. So let's make their gross ass hands do something and it worked. So fabulous moment. They have another one where you're walking through and there's like what looks to be, it's, it's not like a well, but it's like somebody in a dig site, and it's like a dolly kind of thing where you can, you realize like there's a rope that you, someone is tied off, and there's there is actually like a discreet sign that says like please don't touch this rope, but it's because somebody's working down there and you're not supposed to be bothering them, um and if you pull on that rope, it makes it sound like you've like crashed a bunch of their shit and they yell at you, so
1: that's really really fun. And can I give you a brief pause to say? I think one of the things that makes this so clear that this is effective immersion is how many times have you gone into um, the fast pass line and been like disappointed because of how fast it moved you through the queue? Yes, that's actually a really excellent point. You're like, oh
0: God, the fast pass is great because you ride it sooner. But this is one of those rides where arguably like, the actual cue is so exciting and it's so interesting that you do kind of feel like you actually miss out on part of the experience when you're not in it. Um, in part because there's so much to do and look at. And so even like you get into a point where they do show you like the, the general safety video where they do the spiel where they're like, wear a seatbelt. Don't be an idiot. You know, don't wear mouse ears if you don't want them to fall off the track. Um, And it's done by Sala, um, who is one of the characters in the Indiana Jones movies, which, once again, that will mean, like, it's it's not going to mean anything to anybody that hasn't watched the movies, but it will mean a lot to people who have. So it's just one of those nice little, like, oh, sweet. Like, it's one of those little moments. And then you actually get on the ride. So you get into the vehicles, and it's an Indiana Jones Jeep. And that whole ride, like... If you don't come off of that right, it's just, it's uproarious laughter the whole time. Every time I get on it, like, you always notice even adults will be like, but I want to be the driver. The steering wheel doesn't even move. Like, but there's something about being in that position. Like, people get so excited about it. Um, The whole time that you're writing through it, they're pumping the Indiana Jones soundtrack through, but they're also having like Sala and Indy talk to you and being like, they're kind of narrating what's happening, but it's not over the top. Um, There's like nice little Easter eggs throughout it where it's like, you know, there's a part where you see a snake and you have Indy saying things like snakes. I hate snakes. You're on your own. And in the movies, he hates snakes. So once again, like they're not beating you over the head with it but it's just so great. And I think one of the other things that I really love about this ride is that I tend to judge, like, are you fully immersed? My way of judging whether or not I'm fully immersed in something is, have I ever looked up at the ceiling and been like, Oh God, we're in a building because that happens to me sometimes. (laughs) Like sometimes you like look up and you're like, huh, ceiling tiles. And it like totally takes you out of it. You're like, Oh Jesus. Like you just are so out of it. And I don't think I've ever looked in the ceiling, like up at the ceiling in this ride at all. And it's, for all intents and purposes, this is a kind of old ride now. It breaks down a lot, but when it's running, it runs like, it's so, so good that I think nobody looks at this ride and goes, oh, like this isn't very well done.
1: This is still absolutely, this is one of my fast pass choices and it's usually among my first fast pass choices.
0: Yes. Definitely. I mean, and there's that part where your vehicle turns onto that main huge Vista where you do see, like, other Jeeps, but it's not, like, a line of them. And I also think that's, like, an important part of immersion. Like, they obscure your view of the other vehicles kind of for the most part. So you're not, like, look at this train of vehicles. Like, it would take you out of it if you were just kind of, like, a, um, like almost like, a, like an Omnimover or a bus of, like, Indiana Jones vehicles, you'd be like, okay.
1: K.L. Uh, yeah. Are you talking about the part where you turn around and the music goes, Yes. Ah. 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 yes.
0: That part? I, uh, And then, like, you see, like, the skull and, like, the fire erupts out of, like, the, the goddamn lava. eye. The lava. Yes. Which, how they did that lava, somebody's gonna call in and be like, it's like a backlit sheet. Don't tell me that. No, I actually don't, don't, want tell to know.
1: Me. I don't know. Like, I don't want to know.
0: Like, also, you know what else I don't want to know? I don't want to know any secrets to close that magic. Don't tell me that no, shit. I don't want to know that. Like, I like being surprised. Um, There's just something about that, like, the fact that they managed to kind of Like, yeah, you see other vehicles, but it's not like this whole line. Like, a really good example of, like, how that kind of shit doesn't work, and I'm doing it. I'm going in right now, is the Fast and the Furious rides at Universal Orlando where you're, like, Fast and the Furious with Dominic Toretto in a fucking bus. Like, what? (laughs) Like, and it's not Fast. It's not Furious. It's neither of those things. It's like going grandma speed and the whole time you're like, I'm in like a four car, like giant like tour tram. Why wouldn't they just use cars? For a ride. They like would not use tram. Like why would they use a tram? It's terrible. Anyhow. Um, total segue. Like I actually sidetracked myself. I don't even know what I'm talking about. Anyhow, immersion. It's amazing um that ride there's something about it like when you get off of it you just are like you're so pumped you're like yeah I survived that I'm probably gonna go buy a hat why do I own this whip now I don't want to know about your personal life like you come out of it you're like I've just bought all this shit which is also another thing that I think I can generally tell something has done a good job of immersion. If I buy something from it and then I get home and I'm like, what the fuck am I going to do with this? Yes. Like really good example. When I was at Tokyo Disney Sea, I bought a popcorn bucket there. Cause like everybody had them and all the popcorn buckets were amazing. And I was like, Oh my God, it's Steamboat Willie's a popcorn bucket. I need this. And when you like press down on his head, it makes a little squeaking sound. And I got home and I was like, why do I have this? Like, <laughs> i've never used it again i don't know what i'm supposed to do with it but like when i was there that i like i had a powerful need for it i was like i can't leave without this thing and that's how i feel about like really immersive rides you're like i have to commemorate this my survival okay yeah. so i wax poetic about that one um do you want to talk about one do you want to talk about a good immersion
1: I do want to take a moment to talk about some good immersion, but I think maybe before we do, should we top up our beverages? Oh, yes. All right. Beverage
0: break. Hello. Welcome
1: back. I believe we've both topped up our beverages. Indeed, we have, and perfect timing for what we're going to talk about now, which is one of my very favorite immersive experiences in Disney's Hollywood Studios, and that is the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror. Boom! Yes! All right, so why do I love this experience? Okay, first of all, we're going to start with the fact that where it is placed in Hollywood studios is literally on a little boulevard, which is supposed to be in Hollywood. So it's this Hollywood area where they're like, that's where you are. You're in Hollywood now. Yes. You may be in Florida, but they're saying you're on sunset Boulevard right now. And you're not just on sunset Boulevard. You're in sunset Boulevard in 1939. And from the very beginning they are doing everything in their power to convince you that not only are you in sunset boulevard hollywood california but you've also gone back in time to 1939
0: so and the only thing that spoils it is the man in jorts
1: standing in front of you true fair fair so as you're in line you're in the queue you're wandering through these gardens because this is usually a pretty popular attraction. And again, I am going to say, it's actually for me been a little bit of, it's been a couple years since I've been to the world, um, unfortunately. And especially it's been a few years since I've been to the Hollywood Tower of Terror, because the last time I was there, I only went to two of the parks. So I haven't been on this ride in a long time, but let me put it this way. This ride has stuck with me since Oh my God. High school graduation. Wait, is that the last time you won in that ride? Yes. Christ. So everyone listen to how intense and beautiful the theming is because the last time that I rode this ride personally, I had just graduated high school. I don't know if you could tell from my pop culture references, but that was not a recent time. So you're wandering through these beautiful gardens. They're very well kept. No. They're... Say that again. They're not, though. They're beautifully kept in the sense that when you look at them, you love the plants and think they're beautiful. And uh, as a person who has a black sum, you're like, oh, these are semi-alive. I feel like so.
0: Okay. I'm sorry I'm I'm busting in because I feel like I'm gonna I'm gonna slightly argue with you okay. I feel like what you really mean is they were beautifully
1: cast that's correct thank you thank you yes so you look at something and when you're thank you for saying it that way when you're looking at it you're looking at something that obviously somebody cared about at one point yes exactly it, it has the sense that somebody gave a shit and whoever that person is they're gone now um and you're wandering through they usually have like little misters going on in there because it's hot as hell in Florida but for some reason the misters really work for me because I don't know it gets like a little foggy and so then it ends up actually kind of making it seem a little spooky and you're wandering through these gardens and you can actually hear some sort of You know, 1930s, maybe early 1940s music streaming through the entrance of the actual hotel itself. Um, The area is sort of weirdly calm. And the way that they have put everything together, you do feel sort of separate from the rest of the property. So you're really getting enveloped. And the only thing in front of you is this ginormous hotel. So then you wind your way. And again, you'll notice that we're talking a lot about how people are doing cues because when an experience is really immersive, it doesn't start when you put on your seatbelt. It starts when you decide that this is an attraction that you will be experiencing and you get in the line. Right, like, and this is one of the things that
0: separates theme parks from amusement parks is that the best theme parks, it is more than just like you wind your way through the line. Here's some metal barriers. And there's a man yelling at you saying, even if there's only three of you, you have to walk all the way through the line and you can't do that thing where you dip under. Um, in a really, really well done immersive environment. Like you kind of want to walk through that line. Spoiler alert. Like, basically any of the Wizarding World of Harry Potter rides are really great examples of like things where you're like, oh no, like a fast, like one of like the front of the line passes you almost don't want.
1: Which is totally the case for me on this ride. Mm -hmm. So then you're going through and you get into the actual hotel and there's all of this like gorgeous ephemera that tells you something happened here and if I stare at it long enough and if I examine all of these little pieces I'm gonna maybe start to piece together what happened and when so there's like spider webs coming down off of pianos maybe there's a piano and I just making <laughs> it up in my head? I don't know this has been a lot of effing years since either learned- way it seems like the kind of hotel that would have a piano um there's like if I remember correctly tell me if I'm wrong Elle there are um like cocktails that have been abandoned like
0: it, basically it looks like something happened where people left like a decadent resort in the middle of something like stuff was happening at the moment and it wasn't like you guys have this much time to leave it was you're in the middle of doing something and now it's over
1: yes it's beautiful so you're winding through that and then you eventually get to this point where a group of the people that you're in line with are ushered into a library And then all of a sudden, the door's shut on you, and you're all in this library together. And then there's lightning and thunder. Oh, my God. It gets really dark. I know. And then a little old-fashioned TV comes on, and there's Rod Serling. Did you ever... Okay, when, like, that little TV pops on, was
0: there, like, a little part of you that was, like, I might pee a little? Because every time, like, I always get, like, this, like... Frision, like where the hair on the back of my neck would stand up. Oh, girl, I mean, every time. Like that. And I think it's like the height of immersion that there's this moment where it could be like freaking 95 degrees with like 100% humidity outside. And you're like, it's definitely
1: raining at midnight outside. Like, Oh, you totally believe it. Yeah. You totally believe it. it's dark in there. You think it's raining. You think it's thunder, it's lightning. Consider this. If you will. So Rod Sterling starts to tell you that you are now visiting this beautiful hotel where once upon a time on a gloomy Halloween night in 1939, there were these hotel patrons that were riding the elevator. A storm strikes the building. Lightning strikes it as they're in this elevator And boom, those people are never seen again. And the hotel ends up being abandoned because of the scandal. And then he says, You're now going to replicate that experience, but we're going to put you in the service elevator. Anyway, have a great time. I like, there's something about that detail where they're like, We won't even put you in the
0: We, You know, it turns out there's one shitty elevator for all of you bitches, which also works out because, like, they're like, you're in a fancy fucking hotel. And then how do they get you to believe, like, we're going to herd you into, like, a, like, ride vehicle that's also, like, a fancy hotel when, like, a fancy hotel elevator, which are usually, like, classy and cute and, like, have, like, a bellman that rides with you, like how it's do they so really leave that so instead they're like yeah we put you in a shit house elevator and you're like it's oh so yeah okay like, that they're like
1: we're putting you in the gross undecorated large elevator meant for ginormous luggage have fun
0: yes like you are now ginormous luggage get in
1: So, once they put you out of that, usually if you have never ridden this ride before, you think you are now about to go inside the ride. You're like, all right, now it happens. And then the ride is like, just kidding. You actually have like half an hour more of wending your way through lines. Now, is it possible that that line amount has changed since the millions of years that have been since I actually have ridden this attraction? Yes. Yeah, it's more like 15 minutes now, but you know. As you're going through here, now it's changed from this beautiful, decadent, like, 1930s, glorious, like, holy Hollywood. And now you're in a boiler room. A, a boiler room. A literal boiler room. It's dark. There's, like, purple and red light. There's, like, dripping noises. There's grinding noises. And you're, like is something actually wrong with this ride? Because like, low key, is there like a way to, for me to get out of this without looking like I'm buying into it? Which is a great sign. Like if you're really starting to be like, I think something actually might be wrong with this ride, then it means the Imagineers have done their job right. Yeah. So you're wending your way through. And uh, as you get up to the actual elevators... They're going to line you up according to where you'll be sitting in the elevator. There's little spots for you to watch and spots for you to stand. And you can actually see the little arrow that shows what floor the elevator that you're waiting for is on. And if you watch it long enough, you will notice when it starts falling rapidly, which, you know, is another great peer pants moment for anybody who hasn't been on the ride yet. And
0: also, I think this is one of those things that speaks to, like, that's great imagineering. That's not a necessary detail. They didn't have to do that. But, like, the impact of the fact that they did, I mean, the last time you wrote it, you were in high school and you still remember it. Yeah.
1: I mean, I had just graduated high school, thank you.
0: All right. Sorry.
1: Yeah. But still, same. Same. Um, so the person that is going to put you on to the ride is a bellhop. And that bellhop is dressed like an old-fashioned 1930s Bell bellhop. Hop, which, <laughs> yeah, they're they're old-timey. And these people have taken, um, they've taken, you know, a page out of the book of the, excuse me, Sip of the Mai tai. Um, They've taken a page out of the book of the folks that are working the Haunted Mansion. So they've got that sort of like deadpan dower thing going on. Um, Great, great cast members working in this area. So they lead you on to this ride attraction and they are telling you how to get on. Um, You're all lining up where you need to go. You're putting on your seatbelts. And when you go inside, it really does look like a service elevator if they put seats in it. And here's the one point where I'm going to take a step away from um, the actual Hollywood Studios ride. Because I just needed to give shouts to the version that did exist briefly in California Adventure, specifically to talk about great cast members.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And you will remember this.
0: Oh, I already know what you're about to say.
1: Yes. So when you have excellent, excellent cast members that really know how to be the person that is helping make an immersive experience, they kind of know what to do in all sorts of weird situations. And so in this case, when Ella and I were getting on this ride, we get into our... Seats, and we had been in a big group that also included a lot of teen cheerleaders. I will be further the first person to say, I think that lots of people are really rude about teenagers and say terrible things about them and are just awful about teenagers. They're not that bad, and you were a teenager once too. So, get over yourself. Also, like, I
0: 110% realize that as much as like there are times where I'm like, oh my god, they're so annoying. When I actually think about what I was like in a group of my friends, I'm like, we all did it. We were that annoying, too. It's part of growing up. And if you weren't that annoying, you're lying. You were.
1: agreed. But at any point... So there was a group of, they were teen cheerleaders and they were doing that thing where they screamed the entire time so people can actually not hear any of the storytelling. So when we were all listening to the story that was being told by Rod Serling, nobody could hear it because the screaming was so loud. The shrieking was so loud. And the shrieking was continuing even into everybody being loaded into the car, which is a certain point where it's like, Stop screaming to listen to something. So we're all getting our seatbelts on, and there is a one girl that raises her hand when the bellhop asks us if anybody has any questions. And this girl says, Excuse me, um, I think I put on my seatbelt wrong, and it's, like, all twisted. And as the doors to the right started to close, the bellhop looked her dead in the eyes and said... I don't care. <laughs> and then it the <laughs> started. The doors closed. The red just started, and it was almost like he was like, "You're gonna fucking die!" Like, oh my god! Like
0: he straight up was like, "Low key, you deserve it." Like we, these people have had to listen to this this whole but time. Like, like man, no, are sacrifice to this ride—it's because God wanted it what is (laughs) not 1000% in character like I laughed everyone laughed except for probably that girl but give that man a raise give that man an Oscar yes
1: it was fantastic so anyway we're going back to the world and what I will say about this attraction when you're writing this so this ride goes up, and you're hearing the Rod Serling stuff happen. It's dark. The doors will suddenly open, and you'll see this scene, like the creepy little figures of the people that disappeared in the 1930s. And it's telling you, like, you know, these are the people who disappeared, and uh, what's going to happen to you? And then the doors close again, and your ride goes up suddenly again. And then... What the hell? But when the doors open next, your ride vehicle, so you're in like, you know, a perpendicular elevator shaft, your vehicle pulls out of the shaft and moves forward.
0: I, like, and almost this- shot my pants the first yes. time this
1: happened. Like, it, it literally comes out, and now you're in the Twilight Zone. It's dark, it's black, weird stuff is moving around you, eyeballs, things are blinking. E equals MC squared. Like, the it's things like that it. you would have seen in this show from 1959 to 1964, you were seeing while you're in this ride, and you're like, oh, my God. The ride goes back. All of a sudden, you're pulling back into an elevator shaft like, oh, what? That never happened. You're fine. It's all normal. And then it pulls up. And it shoots up suddenly. The doors open in front of you. And all you see is this incredible vista of the entire park in front of you. Like, by the way, this is how high you are. And then the doors close there's a weird snapping noise.
0: I love the noise, because they didn't have to put it in there, but
1: they did. they, They didn't have to put it in there. The snapping noise, like, oh, that cord that is holding your vehicle up, it's snapping. And your vehicle starts to fall. So when this ride originally existed, and this is how old this ride is, and the fact that it is still this effective, it's just insane to me. When it first started, you just fell straight down. So the first time that we wrote this, what were we, like, nine years old? Something like that, yeah. Nine or ten. And this was, like, the coolest thing we'd ever been on. I remember it was so effective that while we were writing it, afterwards, because they do take your picture on it, but afterwards, um, we came out, and it was my uh, my sister, Elle, and then my mom and my dad and myself, and we came out, and my mom turned us all and said... I'm so proud. I didn't scream. <laughs> and we all looked and we were like, you screamed the whole time. <laughs> and so she had, like, it was literally so scary. She didn't remember that she was screaming the whole time. She, like, blocked it out. Um, and it just delighted me. And uh, I just want to say props to her because the last time that we went to California Adventure um she went with us and we went to the version of the ride that exists in california adventure and she did ride it with us and uh, had a great time although she didn't want to go again which is fair <laughs> uh, but, but she she wrote it again with us and i'm very proud that she did Come go on, go mom so uh, they then changed the ride eventually where i guess they were like you know what This has existed the way it has for a while. We're gonna change it up. Now you're not gonna know when you will fall or how many times you will fall. It started getting randomized. So now the ride would fall, then it might fall a tiny bit, then it would shoot back up again, then it would fall again, then it would ride up again. And you never knew what was gonna happen, which was so on point With it being the Twilight Zone, because the whole point of the Twilight Zone is you don't know what's going to happen. You can't expect it. You can't expect to know what is going to occur. Right. You can't explain it. No, it's unexplainable. And then when you get out of the ride, you are in a hotel gift shop.
0: I think that is actually one of, like, kind of the most ingenious things that they did Because it really was like a hotel gift shop. And the stuff that you could buy in there was stuff that you would buy in a hotel. Like you could buy Hollywood Tower Hotel bathrobes. Yes.
1: And it was so genius.
0: Yeah. And it's so cute. And I still want one of those. Like I always think to myself, I'm going to buy one. And then every time I'm like, this is like $121. Same,
1: same. But you could buy, you could buy almost anything that you could actually buy at a real hotel gift shop and so it just completed this feeling of that that was a place you really were and that this was a real place well and i
0: remember like and i feel like we still talk about this like i want them like we always talked about like oh my gosh i wish they would do like an event there where like oh, you would do cocktails like in there like i would pay for that like today Sign me up. I don't even care how much it is. Like I would pay for it right now. Or even like if they made a hotel, honest to God, Disney get on this. Yes. Make a freaking actual like hotel that is themed like this. Like make one of your hotels. Like it's creepy and haunted. How much money will you, I know that they're doing like the theme star Wars hotel. And I am thrilled about that as like a person that's like a huge star Wars fanatic. I am thrilled about that. How much would you pay for one where it was, like, the Hollywood Tower Hotel and you were staying there?
1: Look, girl, I have a cat named Jedi. I would probably go to this Hollywood Hotel before that. Yes. Like, that would be so fun.
0: And instead they were like, hey, what if we, like, themed this hotel on a Riviera, but, like, not any particular one. Like, just all of them. Come on. Like, all of them. And also, like, the theme is just, like, millennials. (laughs) We don't even have a lobby because lobbies are for bitches. I'm sorry. (laughs) The second Mai Tai has hit me hard and I'm getting salty.
1: But I am saying, like... I mean, do a cocktail book that is just here are the cocktails that were served at the Hollywood Tower Hotel before this night. The lemon
0: drop. Oh, snap! (laughs) Right, right. Okay, yeah. Oh, God! I want that to happen, like hire us, but also we really like our jobs.
1: We so. love our jobs, Disney, but um, we would make incredible consultants. Yes, that's my dream. Consult me consult us because we have some we have some ideas, and yes, we're the only
0: people that have some ideas well, the only the- people I mean, but like how
1: many twins have some ideas? I'm saying this is literally two for the price of one right there
0: there we go wait what do you mean price of what no like pay separately. two for the price of two
1: <laughs> yes.
0: um is there anything else you wanted to say about uh the hollywood tower hotel
1: no i think that that's gonna do it for the description that i have of why this is beautifully immersive and i deeply love it although don't watch that movie
0: Gary Paradise and I are now going to go into talking about um, examples of immersion that we don't think worked as well. So these are, once again, the you tried. And once again, to reiterate, we are not saying that we think that people that design these are horrible people. We're saying that we understand that usually when things don't work the way that they should have especially if we're talking about like a Disney or universal park, it's almost always because there was a financial reason behind it. Um, And so the one that I'm going to talk about, and this, this pains me, you guys, this pains me. I'm going to talk about the Incredicoaster in Disney, California adventure. So a little bit of background. I'm not going to go too deeply into this because I'm sure we're actually going to talk about this as a whole in another episode, but California Adventure has always been sort of like the red-headed stepchild in terms of theme parks in the Disneyland Resort. Um when it opened, it didn't quite have the the money behind it that it was supposed to. Thank you. Disneyland Paris. Um it was supposed to be it was supposed to have a lot bigger budget. And so when it did open, not only is the theme, like, a hard sell, like, the theme is California in the state. California. <laughs> Save some of that for that episode, girl. Yeah, like, I'm going to. I'm going to. Um, And so, from the beginning, like, it was pretty much plagued with problems. One specifically being that one section of the park of Disney California Adventure was themed to, like, a seaside amusement park, which was what Walt Disney was like my park is not going to be like this at all and they're like hold up what if we themed an entire area to the kind of parks Walt Disney hated
1: girl are you going to take all of my examples for my section of hashtag you tried I'm sorry I'm sorry I'm sorry anyhow so
0: long story not even close to short because I don't do short stories the Coaster was the second version of basically the classic air quotes wooden co- coaster that exists in DCA. And so it was their way to plus an old version of the California Adventure Coaster that had just been themed to a seaside pier. And then when they re-themed everything, they were like, now the theme is Pixar, which is sort of like a really large overarching theme that doesn't really make sense. It's just like girl, the theme is IP. Are
1: you, girl, are you trying to take all my things?
0: I don't think I am because you're talking about Guardians of the Galaxy.
1: Oh, yeah. You're right. Never mind. You're not trying to take all my things. I'm
0: not. You're trying to take all my things and now we've just spoiled yours.
1: Um, um, for the audience to understand, we were going to talk about a lot more and then it turned out we can't shut up, which is actually unsurprising. So these episodes are actually cannot cover as many things as we thought they were because we again cannot shut up.
0: This should not have been a surprise to either of us, anyhow. So they basically reskinned the Incredit coaster from being like. It's a seaside coaster. Yay. Like you're at a seaside theme park. Too. They're like, what if we themed it to the Incredibles? But also, what if we did it with zero
1: dollars? Rest in show. peace, California Screaming.
0: Right. So the original was California Screamin'. And the theme was, it's a roller coaster. And it's a fun roller coaster. Like, I enjoy the ride. I loved the ride then. For what it was, but, like, did I think the theming was good then? No, because there was none. Do I think the theming is good now? Also, no, but I'm actually, like, the thesis that I'm going to defend now is that I think it's worse. Um, And here's why. Because, like, they basically did, like, a reskin where – the things that I thought were actually the highlights of California Screaming, they got rid of them. And so, the best part of that ride, they were like, here's some static figures in them. So, when you ride it, now there's like this theme essentially, what it is is Jack Jack, which is the baby from The Incredibles. He's escaped and you're chasing him. If you're afraid of roller coasters, you you have no fucking clue this is happening because you're too busy being like, oh God, it's happening. So you are already not paying attention. And so what it is, is a bunch of voiceovers of Incredibles characters in your ears while you ride like an old timey wooden roller coaster that also has loops. So it's not actually old timey. But what happens is they're also like, what if we put in like some static characters so they don't move or anything in certain parts of the ride. But in order to do that, they had to actually cover sections of the ride where you would often get beautiful views of the park and this is especially true at night like at night you would see all the neon it would be beautiful and so now you'll go over these hills and it'd be like here's like a weirdly gross stretched out version of mrs incredible where she's like she's all stretchy but also she's not actually moving it's just like
1: it's a static, like, plastic figurine. Yeah, like so large it's, like, plastic sculpture. A plastic sculpture where they're, like, here's some light, but
0: in, like, a darkened black tube, which also looks like ass from the outside. So it looks bad from the outside. And so when you're cresting these huge hills, you crest this huge hill, and you see nothing from the inside except for this static figure, and it's, like... Oh, crap, Jack, Jack. Like, wow. Great theming, everyone. You really got me.
1: And so... And the voice is coming from, like, the speakers in your car. Yes. Then, like, the character's lips aren't moving. No. Nobody is being fooled. You're not looking at... Like, your brain is not buying that that is being said by this plastic sculpture that you're seeing and
0: and like to kind of put this into perspective every single audio animatronic from Pirates of the Caribbean which was made like 50 plus years ago is so much more detailed and realistic and lifelike and moving than these things that were made like a couple of years ago so it really does just come across like they did the least people are like what's the easiest thing we could see Miss do? And people are like, people love the Incredibles. They love the ass of Mrs. Incredible. Get that in there. Um, And that was it. And so, like, the most immersive, if you can even call it, part of it is at the very end, there's, like, this very half-assed, like, mid-century house at the end, which is my favorite part.
1: That's my favorite part, too, girl.
0: So, like, as you're, like, coming back into the station, there's, like, this little, like, mid-century house that you kind of drive by that's got Jack-Jack in it. Um, but, like, the whole experience every time is... You kind of go, why'd they even bother? Because, truly, the best parts of the entire ride, which are those amazing views... At the crest of those hills. Those are gone now. You can't even see them. And so they added seeming. But like truly I believe. At the cost of the entire experience. And so what you get are like. Kind of these cheap overlays. And it just reminds me. Very much of like. A sort of like. I don't even want to say six flags experience. Because like I've had actually like. More immersive experiences. Sometimes it's six flags. This is just like. It's almost, like, local theme park style. It just, you just can kind of tell they were, like, somebody was, like, put the hammer down. You got to theme this to Pixar. And also, we have no money. And so they did it. And you can really tell this is what happens when, like, the theme is shitty. When the theme is, like, IP, this is what happens. They themed an entire Especially land to, like when the, the IP
1: after the fact. Right. Like,
0: you can't be like, the theme is the entire body of work of an entire studio. Because, like, not even Disneyland is that. Like, they hone in on certain, they're like, in this area, adventure happens. In this area, this is the future. In this area, this is Frontierland. That makes sense. They weren't like the theme is every work Walt Disney has ever made. And so, like, I'm, I mean, this is kind of a short explanation, but it's really because there's not much more to say about it. Like, is the ride still fun? Like, do I still ride it? Yeah, because I really like roller coasters. And yeah, I actually love The Incredibles. Um, I think that is, I think both Incredibles movies are actually really, really good. Um, and I love... I'm a person that loves mid-century modern architecture and style. And so those movies were really like kind of touched a nerve in me because those are things that I enjoy. And I think that's partially why it's so disappointing because like when you see like the first Incredibles movie is actually a great example. There's this whole thing where like when he goes onto like the island and he's riding, like, they have, like, a little, like, Incredibles monorail that he's riding that's going through this tropical island that very much has that sort of, um like, James Bond is going to, like, the deserted island of the big bad. And it's always, like, over-the-top ridiculous. It has that kind of style to it. And so when you see that in the movie, you go, that's a ride I want to ride. And then this is what you get. It's really disappointing because you also know what Disney is capable of. And they just didn't do it. Like, they didn't deliver it. And and it's because, like, they're like, financially, we can't. And I just wish then they hadn't touched it.
1: And just think of the difference between an Incredibles coaster that was built because they set out to be like, we're going to build an Incredibles coaster versus... We already have this coaster, and can you make it Incredibles now? And also, and the thing
0: is, like, because I think they could have done that and still done a better job, they're like, can you make it Incredibles now? And also, you have, like, $8.
1: Yes! Because at that point, it's like, the $8 is not enough. Just let it be. Right, like, just leave it.
0: Just leave it, because... I almost had like the only way to keep like I almost had like secondhand embarrassment writing it I was like, oh oh no <laughs> like <"Mm-mm. laughs> I don't like this. So yeah, that one was a little bit disappointing. Um, but like once again, I just want to reiterate like I still love to write like I still love writing it. Like a bad day at Disney is still like a better day than almost any other day. That like when you know that the same company is capable of having made a ride in like 1994 that's a million times more immersive. I mean, hell, to have made a ride in like the 1950s that was a million times more immersive than this, it's really hard to give them a pass on crap like that.
1: One thousand percent agreed.
0: Thank you for coming to my TED talk. All right. So the next thing we are going to talk about, um, is your, you tried, um, and we will catch you guys all in a minute. Stick with us. All right. So now I think we're ready. Miss Arie paradise to talk about your, um, example of a winner of the you tried awards.
1: Yes. All right. I may get a lot of hate for this. And I'm sorry. But
0: no, I'm just... you're not. I mean, I'm,
1: I might not. We'll see. No, I mean, like,
0: you're not sorry.
1: Oh, no, I'm not sorry. <laughs> I might still get a lot of hate for it. But I'm not sorry. I just thought to say I'm not sorry. Correct. And that is... Hashtag you tried guardians of the galaxy and breakout in Disney, California Adventure in Hollywood land. Yeah. All right. I know we all love the movie guardians of the galaxy. That movie is banging. It is a really fun movie. It's so well done. It's a blast. It's a a Disney Disney movie where they literally make a joke about jizz. They do. There are people flipping the bird. Everything is great. It's really funny. And then they did this ride. And my laughs stopped. So originally, this ride was also the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror. Now, I'm going to say from the very beginning, this version in California Adventure of the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror was already inferior. Um, They didn't have as much space, and uh, that whole section that I talked about earlier, where your ride vehicle actually comes out of the elevator shaft and moves forward and you go out into the Twilight Zone. That never happens in this one. And why? That's, that's kind of like egregious
0: because then it's just sort of a dressed up like traditional drop ride.
1: Agreed. I just, I never understood why. And I guess it, it must have had something to do with the amount of space that they had, but it was just like, you know, most... I mean, even your regular, you know, state fair has a drop ride like that. I think DCA at one point had the Malibumer. Yes. So it literally,
0: literally had that. And, like, remember when it also had, like, a vomiting guards? Wait, the what? Like, that ride literally had, like, splash guards for Vom. Oh, yeah!
1: Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, I remember that now. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the things that sets back, sets apart the one in California, in Florida, is that it does something that you don't expect, which totally fits with the theming. So already when this was Hollywood Tower of Terror and it didn't do that, if you had been on the one in Florida, you were like, hey, oh, it didn't do that thing. If you hadn't, you were just like, you were probably thinking this is really cool, but it didn't take you to that extra edge. So then the Guardians of the Galaxy film came out, and for whatever reason, Disney decided, we're going to retheme this ride to Guardians of the Galaxy. So from the very beginning, I'm going to tell you, I don't care how great a job they do. It doesn't work because of where they put it. Well, and I I mean, I'm totally agree
0: with you because I think like one of the things like the original DCA 1.0, everybody was like the theming here sucks. And so when they redid the theming, it was sort of like they started going, okay, we're going to get back to what Disney is great at, which is once again, like, Really immersive theming, and so they were like, "We're really going to work on this whole this area is old Hollywood." So we were like, "Cool, Hollywood Tower of Terror in old Hollywood," and so things started. I'm not going to say it was perfect, but things started trying. Yes, and it started to feel more cohesive. And so you went, "Okay, cool, this is all starting to gel." And then when they're like, "Hey, yes, we're changing the entire theme of this ride," it was like oh my God, like, what are you doing? No, like you guys just fixed this only to turn around and be like, fuck it.
1: Yeah, so you have like, I mean, it just drives me insane because you have like the Carthay Circle. Hell yeah. Is right there, which like, we'll get into this later. We have a whole episode planned about this later, but you have the Carthay Circle- right there, which is this incredible example of beautiful theming where they were very serious about the time and the place that you're at. Like you go in there and you forget you're in a theme park. You absolutely forget you're in a theme park. Just saying if you ever need a break but you can't go back to your hotel, you can get a couple drinks at Carthay Circle. You stay there for a couple of hours. You will be refreshed as hell. You will be fine. You'll also be drunk as house. So. I mean, yeah, but, like, what is this podcast about?
0: Yeah, like, being immersively themed and also being
1: pickled. So, you have that, and then you have, like, you know, there's that whole section that is about, like, how the movies are made. We're going to go see that. And there's the little section, like, you can while you're going getting your coffees and your pastries in the morning, there's like a little Hollywood newspaper about the news in California adventure. That is old timey that you can read. Then you're going to go and there's a theater where you're watching, um, you know, Broadway style production. And so originally having Hollywood tower hotels, uh, Tower of Terror there made sense. But now they're like, nope, modern aliens. (laughs) Surprise. And then they kind of tried to do it like, oh, the reason this works is because the collector is here. And he knew that more people would pay to come and see his collection, if he brought it to Disney, and so then you're all there to see his collection at Disney, and now Rocket is going to help rescue the other Guardians of the Galaxy from the Collector's Fortress. And I'm like, no, I see through you. You think more people will pay
0: for an IP. Well, and... And I don't agree with you. And that's the thing is, like, if you have to have... A backstory that people learn by have like going online and reading about it, it's a failure.
1: It's already failed. Like, the backstory
0: should be apparent through the context of being in the line and being in the area of the ride. Which is what the Hollywood Tower Hotel actually did. So this whole, like, what? You guys don't understand the collector who is, like only going to be relevant to people who have seen this movie like came down here and like just put his entire collection in this weird building which they also changed to look alien you guys that
1: wasn't readily apparent no it was not readily apparent and let me remind people as I am talking about remember again that the last time I rode the sister version and the original version of this attraction attraction oh my god of this attraction (laughs) in Florida (laughs) hello my ties the internet was not like it was now so I couldn't like go google and be like I didn't understand my experience in the Hollywood Tower Hotel let me google it and understand the backstory you could not do that that wasn't a thing you could do the same way so, I literally understood and remembered the backstory from my high school experience. And a lot of my memories are really from my experience as a nine year old from just riding the ride. So, now I think when I last rode this attraction, what was it like? Oct- was it October of last? No, October two years ago, right? Yes. Okay, so October two years ago is when we read this. Now I'll give them this. What is kind of fun about what they've done with this ride is that if you go during their Halloween time, there they have two versions. So either you have Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout. And then if you're in the Halloween time, there's also Guardians of the Galaxy um. Was it called like After Dark? It's like the Monsters After Dark. After Dark. So they have two different versions. That's kind of fun. However, when you go in the ride and you actually ride this attraction, I mean, is it fun that they have like the fun soundtrack that Guardians of the Galaxy has that everybody loves? Yes, but also can you hear shit? No, you well, can't hear anything. I can't hear what Rocket is saying. I'm missing the entire story. I'm still not entirely sure what is happening. The music is loud. The screaming is loud. And yet somehow between all of those things, what isn't loud enough is what the characters are saying to me to explain mm-hmm. what's
0: happening. I think that's a really great point. Like in the in the previous uh, ride, you understood the storyline. Also because they're able to tell it in brief moments and in this there's like a bunch of character dialogue on screens and the reality is we've written it a couple of times I can't tell you one line of dialogue from it I I can't tell you what the plot is at all it's mostly like the characters screaming at each other and screaming at you but you have no clue what's going on and here's one thing I'll say is like once again, do we both think this is fun? Yeah, it's a fun ride. Like, oh, yeah, also it. And, like, the audio animatronic of Rocket from the room, like, the pre-show room is so good. Oh, he's great. It is fabulous. Like, it's such a good audio animatronic, but that's, like, one of the things that almost rankles more about it is it's, like, here's the skill set people have, and yet, like, when you put it all together,
1: this still doesn't work. Like this ride does not work. And, and let me harken back to one of the things you mentioned too, is that I think one of the things that drives me insane is that so you had that audio animatronic and then what are the things that are telling this story every time that your elevator doors open, it's screens. And I don't care what experience I've had yet every time an attraction relies on screens to tell me a story instead of practical effects my brain is going oh and this part's not real now are there rides I think that use screens in a limited way to extremely effective means oh yeah And we'll get into those later. But this is not one of them. Every time that those doors open, you see another screen and this stuff just so looks, it doesn't look real. You're looking at it and you're going, oh, it's another screen. I'm watching a little movie. Yeah. Just every time I'm writing it, I'm looking at it and going, this reminds me of the Florida version where your cart was actually moving into three dimensions And stuff was moving around you that was also in three dimensions, which this ride has never and will never do. And yet somehow the screens actually made it even less immersive than the previous version. Well, and even, yeah, like like what you're saying with the previous version,
0: even like they had a limited use of practical effects that still gave you like this creepy feeling of foreboding where you know like they open that door and it's got like those cut out shadows of like the people that were cut you know um that were caught in the elevator and they're beckoning to you and it's like their outlines in the hallway of a hotel that still to me is more effective than like they did this whole screen and it's 3D like you just are kind of like I could just watch the movie and if I watch the movie I would actually hear what all of these people were freaking saying because I wouldn't be surrounded by 20 other people that are all screaming because a lot of other people are just getting on that ride to scream and freak out. And the way that the design of the ride and the soundtrack or everything, it almost supports that because they oh, sure put in it's like fun. a pop soundtrack, which is fun. Like, I'm not even disagreeing with that. Like, you know, Sometimes I really do want to listen to that fun pop soundtrack and you never know like what song you're going to get. But it also kind of throws at you. You don't need to listen to the dialogue. None of it is actually important. You're not going to gain anything from it. So you can just be kind of jamming along to the music and not really care what's actually happening. Like I could not tell you what the plot is. I know it's like we got to break people out, but we're not involved. And that's the other thing. You are removed in this ride. You are removed from, you do nothing. You are a passive observer. Whereas in the previous rides, you are beckoned to be like, oh, you are in the Twilight Zone. You have come out like, you're not just watching the Twilight Zone television show. You are literally in it
1: right driving- they're telling you you're going to repeat the journey of the people who rode the same elevator except for you're writing a shittier version because you're not as special as them in 1939 Halloween evening right
0: but it's like, like in the you're Florida version here. you go straight into it like you literally drive into it and even in the older version like they're still beckoning you to be a part of it um, in, the, in the DCA version In Guardians of the Galaxy, you're just a passive observer of superheroes doing shit that you are not involved in.
1: Completely agreed, which is, again, why I chose this version for my hashtag you tried. And, like, when you come out of it, like, remember how I could stop talking about the Florida... Um version of the gift shop. Yeah. I have no idea what's in the gift shop here. I don't no. know.
0: I don't care. Yeah. And I think that once again harkens back. The best immersion will make you buy shit. that you're like, why did I fucking buy this? And then yes. I'm like, like, I even love the movies. I love the Guardians of the Galaxy's movies. I'm not gonna lie. One time I bought like a particular leather jacket and Target. It wasn't leather, it's Target. Um But I bought a jacket because I was like, this looks like Quill's jacket. And I was like, oh, God, I hate myself. Um, But there was nothing like that in the ride that made me go, oh, I need to buy something to commemorate this. Like, mostly when I walk out of that ride, this is, like, I don't want to commemorate, like, that sound where it's like, uh, in your ear where you're, like, standing too close to the woofer. But in this case, it's just, you're sitting too close to, like, The screaming hordes of teenagers that decided to just only scream throughout the entire ride, which bless them. I understand it. I'm not really judging because if I was really judging, I would have to also judge myself from several years ago because I know I did that.
1: We all did that.
0: It's, It's part of a developmental stage. Part of your developmental stage is being obnoxious in theme park and feeling like it is your life story and everybody's deeply involved in what you are doing like i i know i felt like that so i'm not judging i'm just saying like i don't want to commemorate that in a souvenir and i feel like for whatever reason the um the twilight zone tower of terror theme commanded
1: a little bit more respect Yeah, people, it's almost like you hear about those teachers where, like, they figure out if you freaking whisper, everybody shuts up because they want to know why you're whispering. Yes. Whereas this is just like, loud rock music. So everyone's like, oh, I'm going to be loud with the rock music. So the answer is no one actually, I mean, maybe someone out there knows what's actually happening. I don't. Yeah, call in. Let us know if you
0: guys know what any of those people are actually saying. Let us know.
1: And I actually I would be thrilled for someone to call in and be like, you guys are wrong and this is way better. Actually, yeah. Like we really
0: want someone. Um, like, and right now we do not currently have a podcast email. We don't have um a podcast Instagram. So if you want to contact us with any of this stuff, you can Instagram me at Molo Coyote. Um, it's M-O-L-O-K-A-I-Y-O-T or Y-O-T-E, yeah. Or you can uh you can contact Aerie
1: Paradise at Bark dot keeping. So that's B-A-R-K dot K-E-E-P-I-N-G. That's my Instagram handle. And If it turns out that we actually feel like we're getting enough
0: feedback that we should create a podcast or a Facebook page or whatever or an email, then maybe we'll do that. But right now, we feel like we're just doing this for our mom.
1: Who also, I just want to say, she did ride this version with us, too. Yes, she did. And I'm very proud of her. She wrote it with us. We went um, together and she wrote it with us one time. Did she do Monsters After Dark or the first one? I honestly can't remember, but,
0: like, let it be known, everyone, that our mom is our literal ride or die. So when we go to theme parks, we don't do this. Like, oh, we'll take several naps. Like, we oh, no. go from the time the parks open to the time the parks close. And we try to pre-warn people because nobody ever believes us. They're like, oh, it would be so fun to go to Disney with you. It would not. You probably will hate us, like, unless you two are like us. My own husband is like, I'll kill you. Like, I'll kill you in your sleep.